They're calling it a dovish hike when, in fact, policymakers are confused and cornered. Now, the FOMC voted to raise their benchmark interest rates by 25 basis points, as expected. They're continuing quantitative tightening and balance sheet runoff because, of course, they are. The last thing the Federal Reserve or anyone there wants to do is to add more fuel to the nervousness about the banking system and the economic situation. Oh, let's not forget, considerable recession risks remain, February economic data notwithstanding. The Fed may be, may be looking at the situation one way. The public is saying, you know, historically speaking, banking problems like this, they don't usually end with a Goldilocks perfect scenario that the Fed is trying to maintain with its straight, steady face. But yet that's exactly what they're doing. They're, they're trying to thread a needle between concern over what's going on in banking, but not giving it too much concern or not showing the public too much concern. At the same time, using what they think is economic strength or what they may see as economic strength as sort of the baseline in order to shove all that bank stuff aside and say, there's really nothing going on here. So the Fed is going to focus on the economic data. It's going to say inflation is our biggest risk because that sounds a hell of a lot more appealing than, hey, there's a lot more going on in the banking system and we're going to panic the same way that uh, depositors at, at Silicon Valley Bank did. They're not going to do that. They're going to say the situation's fine. They're going to say risks to the economy are tilted to the upside. The inflationary risks, even if we recognize some weakening, some slowing, some minor hiccups in the banking system, which, by the way, we took care of with a brand new four-letter program. And outside the U.S., the global dollar problem, we fixed that with our magnificent overseas dollar swaps, which we changed to a daily rather than weekly auction. Everything is fine. Don't worry about a thing. Steady as she goes. Business is normal at the Federal Reserve. That's exactly the message they sent today. And to reinforce the message, rather than it be a duffish hike, they actually ticked inflation up a little bit in all their projections, as they did the federal funds rate. The dots, the central tendencies, all of that stuff. They want you to know they're focused in this direction while you are understandably focused in this direction, as are the markets. And of course, the markets took today's fiasco theater clown show as the, in the way that it always does. The Federal Reserve will eventually follow the markets, and the markets are continuously, even more today than yesterday, projecting rate cuts. A lot of rate cuts are going to come, even if we can't say for sure when, though that day is coming closer and closer and closer, whether or not those at the FOMC see it or not. And we have been through this before. When? You betcha. Middle of 2008. Eerily similar. And we'll get to that in just a minute. But first, I'm Jeff. This is your Rodale University. Thank you very much for joining me. I really appreciate it. If you're interested, your Rodale University memberships available where we have background details, what the monetary system actually is, why the Fed isn't really a part of it. What is it the Fed does? What is it the monetary system does? What, is the, what are the implications of all of those? We do deal the same things in our research products too, the Daily Briefing, Partnership in Markets Insider Pro, Stephen Manmeter, Tracy Shukart. There's a bundle for you there, as well as my daily deep dive analysis, diving deep into all of these things. Why does the market always bet against the Fed? What is it the Fed always gets wrong? 
We dive deep into those answers, eurodollar.university. We're going to go back to the end of June 2008. And the end of June 2008 is an interesting period because of, like now, there was a major failure, a failure that everybody paid attention to. There was Bear Stearns. And Bear Stearns followed what had been a tumultuous period late in 2007 into early 2008, which we experienced a tumultuous period late in 2022 into early 2023. No matter what the unemployment rate said, just like the unemployment rate back in 2007, 2008 was rather steady and appealing. So economic circumstances, everybody was thinking, slow down, we're Oil prices are going up, consumer price indexes were going up, although in the last uh, year or so, consumer price indexes have been slowing, whereas in 2008, they were still accelerating. So either way, in both circumstances, you have lots of confusion. And when you don't have a deep fundamental understanding about how money, finance, and economy actually works, you can be caught up in the same confusion. Let me read you a comment this is from June 24th, 25th of 2008 from, as it turns out, Gary Stern of Minneapolis. Uh, this is the SEP projections and the comments that went along with them. What he said was, the persistent run-up in energy and food prices and highly uncertain prospects for the prices of these commodities implies greater uncertainty associated with my projections of PCE inflation. There is also greater uncertainty surrounding my projections of GDP growth in comparison with the experience of the past 20 years because of persistent strains in financial markets and on large financial institutions, and because it is unclear if consumer spending in particular will be sustained over the next several quarters. Now, most normal people would respond to Bear Stearns, to the financial turmoil that surrounded it, preceded it, and followed it and said, you know what? This is probably going to be more of a problem than just a one-off event. But policymakers focused on oil prices, focused on backwards-looking uh, data like PCE deflators and unemployment statistics, kept saying, well, it doesn't look bad right now. That's the point. The market said, well, we got this financial crisis, we got this banking system, we got this bank failure, which is a symptom of much larger problems. So balance of probabilities, this is going to be a problem in the data that you do follow at some point down the road. So for policymakers, and Gary Stern was not alone here in 2008. He was saying, I don't know where we turn here. We've got oil prices, we've got consumer prices, but we also got banks failing. We've got major institutions. We don't know what we're doing here because we don't know how to sort out what is actually important in, in, in creating the conditions that, will, that the economy and the financial system will eventually follow. And what you see is that in the wake of Bear Stearns, because Bear Stearns didn't lead to something like we all imagined from late 1929, they thought, well, that was fine. Bear Stearns represented the worst that could happen. And everything else that followed that in the short run seemed to validate this cautious optimism. In fact, at this June 2008 meeting, the FOMC raised its GDP expectations for 2008. Coming into that meeting, the prior meeting, they had, they had GDP expectations for the full year of 2008. So that's the fourth quarter of 2007 compared to the fourth quarter of 2008. So full year growth. They thought it might be pretty bad around 
plus 0.3% to plus 1.2%. So a slowdown, a substantial, a substantial slowdown because of everything that happened. That would just, it wouldn't, it wouldn't wreck the economy, but it would slow things down. Again, this sounds familiar. By June of 2008, they thought, well, oil prices are still going up. We, we have to worry more about inflation. The economy hasn't fallen off a cliff. The Bush administration did its helicopters. They raised GDP for full year 2008 in the middle of the Great Recession to 1.0 to 1.6%. They raised it by seven-tenths of a percent on the downside. They thought the downside risks had been eliminated or removed or successfully dealt with. At the same time, they raised the PCE deflator expectations for 2008 from 3.1 to 3.4, where had been the previous meeting, to 3.8 to 4.2. They were more concerned about inflation. While they still said, hey, there's some downside risk to the economy, we think we've dealt with it. We're more concerned about consumer prices. Again, eerily familiar. As is, you'll notice today of all days, the rationale that policymakers use to justify this growing optimism. Here's Janet Yellen, of course, the now Secretary of the Treasury, but back in June 2008, she was the San Francisco Fed president, a voting member of the FOMC, and she said, the aggressive policy actions that we've put in place since January are actually working to cushion the blow. And that's part of the reason that we haven't seen a greater unraveling so far. You get this idea that if one bank fails and then nothing else happens, nothing else immediately happens, that's it. Forgetting what Bill Dudley said back in March of 2008, how the failure of that one firm, whether you see it or not, whether you recognize it or not, whether you acknowledge it or not, that failure has set in motion a train of events that will harm the financial system and economy over the intermediate and longer term. They will build up cash cushions. They will de-risk their portfolio. They will hedge the hell out of every position they have. Again, in 2023, we have seen these things already. We know that they're hedging because Eurodollar futures at epic, epic daily moves that we saw. We know they're building up cash cushions because what do you think they're doing at the discount window? That's cash cushions as well as desperate emergency funding. Why do you think the federal home loan banks are preparing for massive demand in advances? Companies, banks, firms, they're building up cash cushions as we speak. So if you're thinking Silicon Valley Bank is like Bear Stearns, the end of the road for the crisis, we've got bad news for you. And furthermore, policymakers overestimating their ability to handle crisis, they think that if they do something, it magically must have worked. So the Bear Stearns, the Fed comes in with four-letter programs, boom, must have worked. Everything seems to be fine. Jay Powell, BTFP, changing the dollar swap terms. Boom, everything must have worked. We believe these things work because we believe these things work. So it's easy to get lost into the forest of all of these things going on when you don't have a way, you don't have a specific compass to guide you toward what the actual situation is and what that's going to mean. Let's go back again. June of 2008, James Bullard. Systemic risk is in part a function of the degree of surprise in the failure of a financial institution that was perceived to be in good health. Oh my Lord, that's a horrible, that's not it at all. 
Surely by now few market participants would be surprised to encounter the failure of certain institutions. Failures, should they occur, can be handled in an orderly way, like they thought they did with Bear Stearns. Certain investors would lose out in such an event, like Credit Suisse. But my sense is that the panic element that would be associated with systemic risk would not be present. This is just facile. I believe that we should start to downweight systemic risk concerns substantially going forward because it is no longer credible to say that market participants are surprised to learn of problems at certain financial institutions. See, they always go to the emotions of the situation. They're not surprised, so therefore there can't be a systemic risk. What kind of crap is this? These are not central bankers. These are not even economists. They don't understand markets or economy. And this is as true today as it was in 2008. Let me give you another example. Uh, this is Donald Cohn, usually a voice of reason at the FOMC, at least uh, in relative terms to all the rest of them. But what happened was that financial markets evolved in such a way that simply having a liquidity backstop, talking about the discount window for commercial banks, was not sufficient to protect the economy from systemic risk. I myself have been very surprised, and I will be very open about this, at the persistence, the extent, the depth, and the spread of the crisis, and how long it went and what it covered. Every couple months, I thought it was about to be over, and then another wave would come. I think that we have learned something about the financial system in the process, and we have learned that the regulatory structure and the liquidity provision structure were not sufficient to give the economy the protection it needed from the new, new style of financial system. What he said was the old way of Fed thinking where we cut rates in response to the crisis, that didn't work. So now we did these four letter programs and that seemed to work. We did the PDSC, PDCF, excuse me, the TSLF and a couple other things. They invented new, new tools. And for a while there, even though they were surprised that the old way of, work, of, of doing monetary policy didn't work, this new way was bound to work, except it didn't. What he should have been saying is that our whole paradigm of the Federal Reserve as an effective liquidity backstop in any fashion is not an effective backstop in any fashion. So even though they were surprised at the intensity and persistence of the crisis up until Bear Stearns in March of 2008, they still thought they handled it with these new tools. When the market soon showed them in July and especially August, September of 2008, that wasn't the case. Because all the time, what he just said there was absolutely, absolutely uh, correct. I think we have the financial system, the process, the, the regulatory structure, the liquidity provision structure were not sufficient to give the economy the protect protection it needed from the monetary system as it actually is. Is that different today? It can't be. Because the Federal Reserve says all the time, we have all the tools we need. And then just like 2008, suddenly they have to invent new tools. Here we are in 2023. We have a major failure. We have a wave of near panic. I won't call it panic, but certainly crisis proportions in the monetary system, both here and abroad, they create new tools because the old tools didn't work either. So the Federal Reserve looks at these situations. It says, well, we were surprised. We didn't really know what we're doing but we'll fix it going forward. And because we believe we'll fix it going forward, we're gonna act like everything is going to be fine. When we know, or by we, I mean not the Federal Reserve, not the financial media, not most experts, 
we know that everything is not fine because we do have a compass amidst the dark forest of financial disaster. We have the markets that tell us what's going on. And right now the markets are saying the Federal Reserve rate hikes are probably done. Right now the Eurodollar futures April 2023 contract to June 2023 is very slightly inverted. It's been more inverted over, especially last week, but it's still four or five basis points inverted. Uh, as I'm speaking now before, who knows what happens after Jay Powell's press conference, I'm actually talking at the same time that he is. But either way, the market is saying there is a slight chance of a rate cut at the next meeting, maybe not a big one, not much of a chance of a rate hike. And then again, after that, rate cuts. The the um, six-month Treasury bill, let me pull that up. Where is that? The six-month Treasury bill currently, 4.81%. So after the, the next rate, after this rate hike is effective tomorrow, that brings the federal funds range right up to there, 475 to 5%. The RRP will be 480. The six-month Treasury bill is 481. Not many more rate hikes, not any more rate hikes more of a chance of rate cuts. Why? Is it because the Fed has successfully handled the banking crisis? They'll say they have. They'll adjust their models as if they have. They're going to be a little more hawkish because they think they have, or they, they don't really know. But is it actually the case? Markets are betting it's not. They're betting it's not in the same way that they were betting it's not all last year and into this year. So even as the Federal Reserve raises its, its inflation projections for 2023, markets aren't buying it, literally not buying it. Dovish rate hike, there is no such thing. Dovish rate hike is an oxymoron because the Fed is cornered and confused. They don't know what to do. They don't know exactly. I mean, you have to believe in private conversations. They're looking at SVB. They're looking at all these others and saying, you know, the Credit Suisse and all the stuff that went on in the dollar system. Yeah, we're a little bit worried about that, but we don't know what to do until the data turns bad. Until the unemployment ticks up after everything, after it becomes too late, we got to continue on, steady as she goes, stay the course, lest we risk adding more fuel to what is already a substantial fire. It is ex it's not exact, but it's similar enough to the 2008 scenario that we call it the 2008 style scenario. As Janet Yellen said back in 2008, aggressive policy actions cushion the blow, part of the reason we haven't seen a greater unraveling so far. She just didn't give it nearly enough time. The markets are betting that the Federal Reserve will also run out of time this year too. Because in the end, after it's all said and done, when we look back on history, what we will see again for the nth time in a row, the Fed follows the markets, whether it wants to or not. And the more it doesn't want to, the more kicking and screaming it will be pulled into that direction anyway. And the reason it gets pulled in that direction, there's not a lot of good things on that list. They only begin with SVB. I'm Jeff. This is Eurodollar University. Thank you very much for joining me. I really appreciate it, as I do all the Eurodollar University members, as well as all Eurodollar University research subscribers and Markets Insider Pro. I haven't forgot about you guys either. And until next time, take care.